20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Dan Kotnick and Chris Schimmel, we are your hosts today. Thank you for joining us. We are in the midst of, well, the very beginning of the pack, the Packers off season here. We've already had some big things happen, Chris. New head coach. We're getting a whole new coaching staff, primarily on the offense. Um, you know, we're sitting back here these last couple of weeks watching playoff football that the Packers are not participating in for the second time or second year in a row. Um, how have you been handling the offseason so far? I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but now we're two weeks into it. We've gotten to see a couple of uh, postseason games. So I personally, I've got like my football fix. We had the national championship, some great postseason football. Are you uh, satiated so far? Oh, yeah, I'm definitely entertained, you know, and uh, my girlfriend is like, the Packers are in the playoffs. Why do you have to watch? I'm like, because I love football. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, right. just because the Packers don't make the football doesn't mean football season's over for me. But overall, it's been entertaining, really entertaining, of course. The Eagles-Bears game was entertaining. How so, much uh, How much did that one kick just – for me, it, val- it didn't validate, but it sure as heck made all of the crap this year seem a little <laughs> bit more worth it to watch that happen. <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely, especially, uh, you know, beginning of the year, the season began with a bang with the Packers beating the Bears, and then it ended with a bang for the Bears. <laughs> or more, should I say a doink, a double doink. Double doink. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my cousin's uh, husband is a huge Bears fan, and I was tempted to text him, like, nah, nah, yeah. that, that's just rubbing, you know. Right, we – Rubbing it in. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta make a playoffs again before we can kind of start exactly. rubbing it in, in people's faces. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, you can't say anything. Just wait till next year. But man, that was great. It was. That <laughs> yeah, was very good. It's also great seeing the Cowboys lose. Yeah, and personally, now I'm just hope if the Patriots can just lose on Sunday, yes. I can have a, a very rare no hate Super Bowl. And then uh, if the Saints for. lose too, that's for me. I want my the Rams to yeah, a lot of it. And well, I mean, even if you even if you're not, uh, you know, if you don't necessarily care if the Saints win or not, it helps the Packers with that uh, first round pick. If mm-hmm. you know they can lose, I mean, at this point, it really doesn't help much because no matter right. what, they're picking so in the thirties. But I mean, you take the little victories where you can find them. You know, one one spot can make a big difference. I mean, you saw that with uh, T.J. Watt bringing him up again. Yeah, very yeah. true. You pick that scab one more time before oh, the. I will. <laughs> I will continue to do it until the Packer defense gets better. Well, uh, today we are looking at the Packers offense specifically. Uh, we have been given the task of breaking down this wide receiving core for the Green and Gold. We're in the middle of all of our postseason positional breakdowns here on the Pack-A-Day podcast. We started with quarterbacks, went to the running backs. We have the task of looking at, again, the wide receiving core. So overall, Chris, 
you have to be fairly disappointed with what we saw out of this wide receiving core. Oh yeah, absolutely. This this past year, right? Absolutely. You know, it, it's a pretty big drop off after Devonte Adams. Really think about it. It's really significant. And that even made Devontae Adams' season even more impressive, the fact that everyone knew he was the one getting the ball. Everyone knew it was him and then who else. So that made his season even more impressive. But, yeah, they have a lot of work to do, especially with Randall Cobb probably not coming back and then Geronimo Allison too. Yeah, I mean, that both of those. Randall Cobb, obviously kind of the more worthwhile of those to lose. But – Still, at the same time, Geronimo Allison has been a somewhat significant player in this passing game for the last two to three years. And you mentioned Devontae Adams in his season and compared it. I ha- I never experienced it myself because it was before my time. Thank God. I thank the lucky stars that I didn't have to suffer through some of these eras like my uh, dad and family had to. But it, it felt like a James Lofton kind of yeah of season for Devonte Adams, where he goes out, has a pro bowl year, sets a lot of records and the rest of the team is kind of garbage around him, which oh, yeah. is unfortunate to see a talent like that kind of get wasted. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's why these uh, rookie receivers are really going to have to grow up quickly, not go through a sophomore slump. Cause I mean, their season is depending upon this. Now to be fair, I mean, we came out kind of strong here against this wide receiving core. They deserve what's being thrown at them. They did not play up to standard. But again, throughout the whole season, there's been a lot of back and forth between where does the fault lie in that passing game? Because there's a lot of talk. You know, people are going to break down this film and this film and this film and this play and this play. And did the receivers run the right route? Are they running how Aaron Rodgers wants to run the play? So you kind of almost have to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt to the wide receiving core because how much of it was that split of Aaron Rodgers missing throws, which he definitely did throughout the season, and how much of it was on the wide receiving core's issues in the passing game? You know? Definitely. The only way to truly ever find out is if every single player on the offense is mic'd up for every single play of every single game so everybody can really see what's going on. It's obviously a mixture of both. That being said, if you're telling me that you have a veteran quarterback and then rookie wide receivers, I'm going to put more of the blame on the quarterback. I think you have to. You have rookies and you have a veteran, a veteran who understands the game, the guy who's played with great wide receivers in the past. Because when Rodgers became the starter, you know, Greg Jennings was just entering his prime. Donald Driver was a veteran. James Jones has been there for uh, two seasons. So Rodgers kind of really uh, inherited a good, solid receiving core. And now he's going to have to learn to really uh, uh, mature these young wide receivers. And there is plenty of optimism when it comes to that, especially uh, Scantling. Yeah, no, you're you're very right. Some of that definitely has to be on Aaron Rodgers to get these guys to where they need to be. One other thing with that though too is the kind of the subtle behind the scenes issues with the wide receiving coach David Rye and he's moved on to the Arizona Cardinals. But there was kind of that talk behind the scenes of the 
friction between Aaron Rodgers and the wide receiving coach. He's kind of giving wide rec- his wide receivers, these young guys, different ideas about how they should be running the offense. It differs from what Aaron wants them to do, especially in those long-distance scramble kind of plays. Yeah, backyard football. Right. And so now there's no excuse going into exactly. this upcoming season because, like you said it, Aaron, it's all on Aaron Rodgers now. He doesn't have Mike McCarthy to blame. He doesn't have a wide receiving coach that he maybe didn't get along with to blame. It's his team now because Matt LaFleur is a rookie head coach. He's not going to be coming in just, you know, straight fire. I, at least I wouldn't assume so. So really a lot of this is on Aaron Rodgers now to develop these young guys, kind of like you said. You need to mold them how you see fit, at least for the next couple of years. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you take a look at the, the rookie receivers, Feldus Canling and St. Brown, I won't even talk about more. That guy had only two catches for 15 yards. And But if you take a look at Scanling and St. Brown's rookie seasons, and you know, I just compared them to the rookie seasons of some of the other greats. You look at James Jones, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Randall Cobb, and then Devontae Adams. If you take a look, Scanling, 38 receptions, only Greg Jennings and James Jones had more in their rookie years. He had 581 receiving yards. Once again, only Jennings and James Jones had more receiving yards than him. And none of those receivers averaged more yards per catch than Scantling in his rookie year. So that there is some pretty good optimism for Scantling to continue to develop. I mean, he had 581 yards. That's more than what Jordy Nelson had in any of his first three years in the league. And then St. Brown, 21 receptions, 328 yards. He didn't have any touchdowns, but he averaged a whopping 15.6 yards per catch. That's more than any of the other great receivers had in their rookie year. So there is some good optimism going into this year. However, with Randall Cobb most likely not coming back, it's the it's the leadership quality, you know, that while Cobb might not be the same player, he could still help out those receivers get on the same page with Rodgers, especially during the scrambling drills. Yeah, I would agree. I think out of anything, what Randall Cobb brings is that veteran presence in there. And, you know, I think he's he almost kind of acts as a mediator between this wide receiving group and Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, those two are extraordinarily close. The thing with Randall Cobb, though, is how much money is it going to take to bring him back? And, I mean, that's obviously the, the caveat for any – uh, free agent, but especially with Randall Cobb, a guy that has had so many injuries the past couple of years. And he, after that week one performance that we saw against the Bears, he had that amazing run. Yeah. Only 37 catches and 300 yards after week number one. Obviously, only, missed a lot of time, but still, you, you oh can't yeah, hang a guy for that. Not only that, but after that week one performance against the Bears, he never even had 50 receiving yards in a game. I think he only three other games he had more than 40. Uh, his 38 catches this year is fewest since 2013. That's when he only played six games because he got injured there. Third fewest of his career. His 383 yards is the fewest since his rookie year. And he uh, averaged only 42.6 yards per game. 
Compare that to the 2014 Randall Cobb when he got that great extension. He averaged over 80. And then also he averaged only 10.1 yards per catch, second lowest of his career. So he really had a flat-out terrible season staying healthy, and then even when he was on the field. So I I really don't see them offering much of anything to him this offseason, especially when they barely offered Jordy Nelson anything last offseason. I don't see them offering uh, Cobb really anything. That's a good point, especially Jordy Nelson. The thing is, I think some people might look back and start to question the Jordy Nelson uh, move just because of how poorly this this offense played. And you wonder if maybe this front office gets a little gun-shy about doing that two years in a row, especially. That being said, though, Jordy, though, did not have this huge injury problem that Bob has on a consistent basis. So I, I think Jordy – especially looking at what he did in Oakland was a lot better than what Cobb did here in Green Bay. So I think that I don't see uh good accounts doing, giving Randall Cobb much of anything, probably just like the veteran minimum, I, I would think on a one-year deal. Well, Spot Spot Trek has him at a market value of $7 million a year. No way. No, There's no way. way. Uh-huh. No way for $7 million. Um, I could see this being a five million dollar deal. I I can't even see that. I I think I think you could. I I mean I was looking through the salaries for that wide receiving core. You really don't have any money spent toward that position. Devonte Adams is the only player making more than one million dollars in mm-hmm. salary a year. So and, you've got a lot of so in a, in a wide receiving core that's a lot of young guys on rookie deals. I think you can kind of make the case, especially if you want to start cutting money elsewhere, a la Nick Perry, you can make the case to splurge a little bit more for maybe a one-year deal for Randall Cobb. This is our last, you know, hurrah. We're going to have you, we're going to bring you in for this position. Obviously it takes, it's going to take a lot to sell him on this deal. Because there's going to be a team that'll pay for him, I think. I, I, I think that you know, there's 31 other teams looking for wide receiving help. And to get a name like Randall Cobb, somebody will overpay for him. Or at least give him more than what I think the Packers will be willing to dish out. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think there are plenty of other better free agents out there who are younger, who are going, who are uh, still probably not even peaking yet in their careers that I was looking at. And I just see the Packers being smart and going after some of these other guys than re-signing Randall Cobb. I understand people are thinking that, you know, they don't want to see Randall go, that he's one of the most popular players, but it's a business. So, you know, have you been taking a look at any of the free agents? I have been, uh, to be honest, straight up like free agents this year, like unrestricted, do whatever you want to try and find these guys. There's there's not a lot of names that I think kind of jump out at you and scream, come get me. You know what I mean? I mean, you you do have guys, some you know sexier names just because they've been kind of talked about on, on bigger teams, and that's like a Golden Tate or a um, – Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald is on there. I don't think they would do that if they're going to let Randall Cobb go. You know what I mean? Um, there are two guys who I saw – that really jumped out to me. 
One is a, of course, who knows better to get him? What do you think of Tyrell Williams? Uh, I mean, to be honest, I don't know a ton about him. I'll, I'll be completely honest. And it, and I think that's that goes back to kind of what I was saying. There's not a lot of sexy. There's not a lot of sexy name. I want my wide receivers to be sexy. Right, but think of it. He's only 26 years old. He's had 17 touchdowns over the last three years and hasn't missed a game. Last year, he had 41 catches for 653 yards and five touchdowns. I'll take a guy like that over Randall Cobb any day right now. I, I mean, I will. I would too. If uh, I, again, I, I make that. I make that small little note. If it was like a Madden game, yes. Again, how much? do you how much value can you put on the leadership that Randall Cobb would bring for one more year? I think that's that's really the big key for for any free agent because yeah, I, I think you're right. You can find a lot a lot of guys that are younger than Randall Cobb, have a lot less injury history, and can give you more production for around the same amount, probably less. The the big key is how much do you value what he brings in a leadership position for next year? I understand that. But at the same time, Cobb was hurt, but he was still around in the locker room last year. And, and the passing course still sucked, even with him on the sidelines. And then there another guy that I was looking at, uh, I think Dante Moncrief mm-hmm. from Jacksonville. We just got their offensive coordinator, only 25 years old, 6'2", 216. He had 48 catches, 668 yards, and three touchdowns. I'm looking at those guys right there, and if you're if you're saying uh, you know bring back Randall Cobb for five million, I'd rather pay five or up to seven for those guys instead of bringing back Randall Cobb. Fair enough. That, I mean that's totally fair. Again, you know, obviously all speculation because there's 31 other teams that are trying to sign these exactly. free agents as well. <laughs> but wishful but, thinking, right? But I mean, this these are the kind of decisions that. Brian Gutekunst is obviously making right now, looking at the free agent list and who, where can I find value? That's where you find, that's where the success of any NFL team is to find value in the margins, find value in the places that other people aren't seeing the value. So the Patriots and, uh, do, it, it's what every successful team does. And then I'm just worried that if he, they don't jump on these guys, they're going to be gone. And then people are going to say, okay, no other wide receivers left. Packers need somebody, and then they're going to end up having to resign Randall because no everybody else has been taken. So I'm just worried about that. And then uh, you mentioned you know Golden Tate and Larry Fitzgerald. When I think of Golden Tate, I will always think of the fail Mary game. I just cannot picture him in a Packer uniform. No, I honestly I could never see Golden Tate, and and, and also he's a year older than Randall Cobb. Exactly. Grant, granted, he does he does have he can offer a little bit more production mm-hmm. than Randall Cobb, but the people here in Detroit did not care for him that much. I think he's been a bit of a headache wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And again, Packers fans, I think have that taste still in their mouth at least a little bit uh with golden tate i i i go back to even college i didn't care for him much in college either (laughs) but that's a that's a different story with uh with golden tate free agents though are one thing there's talk though of some super sexy names i'm talking like playboy of the year sexy names in uh, possible wide receiving trades, obviously the one that everybody's talking about, Chris, is Antonio Brown out of Pittsburgh. 
Now, you want to go hypothetical. This is super hypothetical. Oh, yeah. That, but, no, that's a splash. I mean, how much, though, is he worth? Because people are saying the same thing that they said about Le'Veon Bell, as they're starting to say about Antonio Brown, that he's a bit of a head case. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a cancer a in the locker room, a bit of a diva. But yeah, I feel bad boy, does the guy ball, man. Oh, yeah. I just feel bad for that locker room. I mean, everyone was thinking, saying that they had the best trio of quarterback, wide receiver, and running back, and now it's all coming undone. But you know what? Uh, this uh, bet DSI, they, I don't know how they do their calculations, but they have Green Bay at, at 11th for the best odds at getting Brown. I don't know how you calculate that or how accurate they are. That's just what I saw on Twitter today. But you, would you trade a first-round pick? For Antonio Brown? I don't think – I think I would give here, – here's my thing. I'll trade – I'm open to people talking about trading that Saints pick in the first round. Saints pick, yeah, the, not the one – not the higher one. Right, yeah. So how much is that worth to the Steelers? Right. I think, I think that they could probably find somebody – heck, think about Arizona – who's got the number one overall pick right now. They've got Larry Fitzgerald, who's on the edge of retirement. They've got a rookie quarterback on a brand-new deal and a new head coach. Think about a first round, the number one overall pick for Antonio Brown. Yeah. I think there's. I think it's almost kind of like the Khalil Mack situation. There's a lot of other teams in there that can, that offer, more. Are, that can offer more. You would. I, I mean, you'd have to give up both, to get just, even if you wanted to sniff it. Oh yeah, and not only that, but probably not just this next year's draft, but probably probably give up a pick in the other draft too. You, you never know how teams can really play this out. So I, I know, like you know, we talked about in the past that you know we need a nice splash in free agency, like out the Reggie White, Charles Woodson, but those are both on the defensive side. I don't see the Packers really making a big offensive splash in free agency, and plus those first uh, two first round picks. I really want to see them draft defense instead of uh, trading them away to getting Antonio Brown. But getting Antonio Brown would be great to have a number two corner going up against Devontae Adams. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something at you here that I've been thinking about today as we've been kind of preparing for this. In the same kind of sense as Anto- of Antonio Brown is, I think if you want to give this team the best success, I think if you could find another all-star wide receiver to pair with Devontae Adams is huge. If you can't swing Antonio Brown, maybe you can get a guy in that same division from down uh, southwest a little bit on the banks of the same river, the Ohio and Cincinnati, and an A.J. Green. A.J. Green, one year left on his deal. He's now – he's due $10 million next year obviously i think you're gonna probably open up a little bit more cap space as the season goes on a little bit a team like cincinnati a new head coach a basically a brand new quarterback i i don't think andy dalton is long for that world anymore (laughs) a team that's probably getting close to a rebuild mode that wants to dump a guy on the last year of his deal that probably won't get re-signed would you make that trade? Would you would you try and would you try and swing that? And how much would you be willing to give up for him? 
I honestly would not would not no? do that. No, I wouldn't. I would I would use the first two round picks on defense and really roll the dice that these rookie wide receivers make a good jump in week two. And instead of making a splash in free agency on a hot wide receiver, I would look at some of these other guys that I mentioned, like Terrell Williams and Dante, to try to just get a solid number two in the slot and then really really try to develop some of these wide receivers like the Packers have done in the past. You know, it's just weird because this is a totally different situation for the Packers receiving core. Like, you know, after the Packers won the Super Bowl, they had a stacked wide receiving core. And then all of a sudden in the draft, Ted Thompson drafts Randall Cobb in the second round. I thought, what are you doing? They're stacked. Well, it's for them to sit back so they can develop. So when a driver retires and Jennings is gone, Randall Cobb can take their place. Instead, now they really don't have the veterans where they can just sit back and develop. They need to go out there and perform right away. So hopefully they can do that. I think that with that being said, Scantling, I think, has exceeded expectations. So I'd gamble on them really making a big jump into year two. That's fair enough. I think honestly, I think honestly anybody can make a case for – pretty much however you kind of want to handle this wide receiving core moving forward outside of Devonte Adams. I think honestly, anybody's up on the table at this point right. because it's a, it's a completely new offense coming into 2019. And I mean, Devonte Adams was able to make it work and basically Aaron Rodgers his way to a, an amazing season in an offense that really didn't work. So he's obviously there, but outside of that, everybody else, I think you can make a case for do whatever you want, whether that be find free agents somewhere, you make a big splash or you stick with the guys that you have right now and, and, and build up from draft and develop. It's a very question mark filled future for this wide receiving core. I think. Yeah, definitely. You know, you don't want to have a, a receiver like Devontae Adams, who has almost 1,400 yards, and then the next has 581. You want it to be a little bit more balanced, spread the wealth around, you know, and hopefully that happens in this offseason. You can't have another one of these seasons where you have almost an 1,000-yard gap between number one and number two. But hopefully they will. I mean, I have faith in it, especially with the new head coach coming in and shaking things up. I'm excited for this wide receiving core. I think that – I. Right now, if I'm being wish thinking and I'm really being impulsive, I'd I'd expect a pretty pretty good jump forward, especially if they get a, a tight end or a receiver in this year's draft as well. You're right. I mean, a lot of a lot of potential for the future for this wide receiving core. A lot of of potential for big things this off season, obviously. And like we keep saying, make sure you stick with us throughout the rest of this off season because we're going to have a lot more to discuss, especially leading up to the draft and afterwards at training camp. I mean, all of it coming up, but uh, I mean, this week, the rest of the week, we've got these wonderful position breakdowns tomorrow. Make sure you tune in for the guys, Andrew and Kyle. They've got the tight end group, basically kind of uh, talking about the, you know, forgotten wide receiver for the Packers in Jimmy Graham. So uh, make sure you tune in next or tomorrow for those guys breaking down that position and obviously the next uh, week or so breaking down each of those other position groups as we head through the rest of this offseason. Make sure uh, that you are liking us every way possible. Follow us, subscribe, rate, review. 
It is a tremendous help for us as we get through these. I, I think we're almost at 200 episodes here, Chris. I mean, and I, it's, it's, I mean, it feels like we just started this a month or two ago, and now we're almost at 200 episodes. I keep say, I keep feeling like as we get started, but heck, we're rolling now, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it just shows you how fast football season goes. Makes you really want to uh, watch every single game you ha- you can because it flies. It does. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our football lives here on the Pack a Day podcast. Uh, for my partner Chris, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Chris Schimmel. Myself, Dan Kotnick, DK all the way. Thank you so much for listening to today's Pack a Day podcast episode. Make sure you tune in again tomorrow and the rest of the off season. We finish it off, as always, with a Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end. And a dagger! They beat Morris Playboard to the back line of the end zone. The Packers have won it! Snap to Wild. Oh, yes! Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a Lambeau lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Pepperd on third down of three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz and here they come. Pepperd looking, hit as he throws it, deep down the right sideline. And intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers looking right. Throws the right side. St. Brown makes the tackle inside the 30 out of bounds. Oh, he reached back to gather it in. Using all 6-5 of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, goes right down. Intercepted to the house for Sean Freeland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Lock they got him. They got him. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 in Green Bay. And here is a handoff up the middle. Big